Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Optimize Your Body Podcast. I've got my good friend here today, Mr. Ian Williams. You may have heard him on some of the previous episodes, and today we're doing one virtually. And yeah, this should be interesting, mate. So how's everything going, man? How's things with you, bro? Yeah, really good, mate. Um, you know, we, we caught up last week, and um, I think I'm nearly three weeks into me Jai January now. Uh, thanks to you, you, you kind of, you challenged me, you, you know, uh, I, I love the challenge. So three weeks into that, feeling a lot more clear and uh, a lot healthier. And obviously first time really on Saturday, we caught up and I think I'm just used to, if I'm catching up with some friends and at a barbecue, I'm used to having a few beers. And it was the first time I've gone, oh, not having a few beers. But we had, a great, la- but we had a great laugh, didn't we? It was, we had a great uh, laugh. Yeah, and I just kind of completely forgot, um, and I think that must be it's, um, it's something that's kind of programmed into you, isn't it? From a from a, an early age, especially coming from the UK, you, you meet people, you get on the piss. So now I feel feeling really good about that, and it's uh, it's starting to almost kind of open up uh, new avenues to thinking. Oh, okay, I can I can take it or leave this. So yeah, three weeks into that feels good. Come back from Thailand, uh, as I told you, I had ten days in Thailand. Obviously, the back end had a couple of days of a bit, bit of a wobble. The old uh, Thailand uh, illness that you get, uh, but now um, you know, really uh, looking forward to the rest of the year, mate. Good. How about you? Awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm great, man. I'm great. Yeah, we had Australia Day the other day, right? Just for the audience, and we met up. And ordinarily, and it's just everyone, right? Let's be honest. Like, and with the drinking culture here in Australia as well, it's no different to the UK, really, right? It's just a normal part of the culture, but just the weather's better. But it was good, man. Cause it's interesting, though, right? Because we go out, we have a few beers. We don't really, you know, go out and get smashed. We have a few beers, we connect, but we, we see each other sober most of the time anyway, doing other stuff, whatever we're doing, right? But um, yeah, that was the first time probably on a, on a day like Australia Day, for example, both of us haven't had a couple of beers, right? And it's just like, there's no there's no different, right? That's the interesting thing. There was no different in anything. No, <laughs> and, that, and that's it. Obviously, you've been kind of, you don't really drink at all anymore. And um, obviously, we, Jordan, we might catch up, you know, we catch up a shitload of times throughout the year. And very, very rarely will you have a drink. But if I'm catching up with friends, it's almost programmed into me. You know, sometimes even if you're not drinking, I'll have a few beers. Um, but this time it was kind of, it was because it was out my head and it was uh, non-negotiable that I wasn't drinking for January. It wasn't in my head. So, and I was thinking, oh, is this going to be any different? And it wasn't. We just had a laugh as always. <laughs> but yeah. so it's, it's so but, funny that my eyes lit up, right? When you said about, and I mentioned that I was like hinting one. I said, oh, yeah, with the drinking and stuff, da 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 da. And you said, yeah, in January, I'm thinking of doing a, we're, we, you and Kat, you were like, we're thinking of doing a dry January. And I was like, okay. You shouldn't have said nothing. There. I said, okay, try January. Yeah, and then that was it. You had to commit there because you said it, right? I was like, oh, he's caught me. And, 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 I, and I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing at the moment. You're chipping away at me with this fucking aura ring. You keep sending me shit on this aura ring. And you know, I, it's, it's working because I'm like, what the fuck's this aura ring? <laughs> And in about, you know what I'm like, in about a month, I'll be telling you about the 100%. <laughs> it was the ice baths last time, right? Just for everyone else, it's like I kept dropping the ice bath thing on it. Yeah, it's great. I feel awesome. Dopamine, all these kind of things, right? And before you know it, you're literally getting after it, aren't you, with the ice bath? Well, the alcohol thing, man, I'd love to touch on that. I'd love to know, if you don't mind sharing with the audience, what kind of feelings is it that you feel like essentially you escape with alcohol? Is there any in particular which come to mind? Because we all do it. What do I escape? Yeah, is there any, because I know you're social and just going out and connecting with friends, but is there any particular feelings, whether that be anxiety or thinking about work, so it helps you relax, you know, is there anything in particular, or is it well, just purely just social? 
I think previously when I was, you know, locked up in, you know, corporate and doing 60 hour weeks and all that shit, it was kind of just escaping that because it can, it's, it's always in your head, works always in your head and you can't escape it. So it gives me that immediate downtime. But unfortunately, the, the next day and something we'll talk about, you know, yeah, so you wake up in the morning and, and the monster's on your back and he's bigger than he was the previous day because, you know, you, you think you've got away from it, but then it comes back and it comes back with a vengeance. So it's a, it's a short term escape now. It's more, what do we do it for? You know, you loosen up a little bit more. You know, you have a drink. There's a, there's a, there's a, I think there's a window. There's a, you know, when I call getting merry, me and you, if we go down a pub and we have four or five pints, that's the window. I think I have a real, I loosen up. I have fun. That's time, you know, me and you have been away with the girls and, you know, we might piss around, I'm, you know, dancing around and doing stuff like that. Whereas if so, yeah, steak hips comes out. But <laughs> <laughs> um, if I'm completely sober, I wouldn't necessarily do that. But in saying that, even on Saturday, we were pissing around a little bit more. And I was thinking, oh, well, maybe I would. Um, and then maybe I've just programmed myself that way. But I think, I'm not going to lie, it, it feels good being merry after a few scoops. But then there's, you push it too far. And then for me, as much as I, you know, I might drink once a week and have six to eight pints or whatever during the day, the next day, I, you know, I'm, I'm just a little bit off. And then Monday, I don't start as strong. Whereas now I just feel like every day is the same. I have the I have the opportunity to operate at a higher level every single day, rather than accepting I'm going to be at sixty or fifty percent. In the old days when we used to party, I'd wake up on ten percent on on Saturday. You know, you know it was like same, same, yeah. Sunday twenty percent. You think you got away from it. Monday's worse, ten percent. Tuesday twenty percent, and then you'd build yourself back up. Then on Friday I was like a monster. I'd do all my weeks worth of work on a, on a Friday, and then I'd go into Saturday. Go, let's go again. It's not like that now, but what I've kind of found, if, if usually given, you know, sleep and energy, you, you might hover anywhere between, you know, 60 to 8, 90%. I'm like that every day now because I've got nothing kind of hindering me. And, uh, you know, it, it is noticeable. Mm, awesome, man. Yeah, it was for me in 2022, I think it was. I started 2022 where I thought, right, come on the last time I had a month or two with just no alcohol whatsoever. So I said, right, I'm going to aim for three months. And I did three months back in 2022. I felt better. I know again with the sleep things, I was tracking it back then as well. I noticed that improved, but I just thought it's just a really good practice to be able to abstain from anything, right? Whether that be alcohol, whether it be like you have as well over the years, like we've touched on before, going longer periods without food, kind of intermittent fasting, right? Eating in a smaller window. I think abstaining from things is always going to be a good practice, right? Because it's discipline. And like you said earlier, kind of unlocks this kind of next level. And when you're a high performer like yourself and you've achieved a lot, and let's be honest, we've talked about it before, but you're a very, very, you're one of the most disciplined person I, uh, people I know. But then you can add that next thing and go, okay, what have I learned over this last month? Oh, I, I noticed that I'm waking up constantly on 100%. I noticed that I actually don't need it in these situations. It just helps you detach from external things, right? Which is always a good practice, you know? Hundred percent. As you say, discipline is something that I'm, I'm massive on. I think to, we've spoken about it for discipline and consistency. I think is the framework for success in anything in life. Um, and um, you know, you kind of when when you've seen that door open when I spoke about drinking, you give me the look. Oh, here we go. It, it, <laughs> what, what it does is it just it, it challenges me because somebody just said, you know, can, yeah, can you do that? And then I go, okay, well, you know, what's the value of that? I could have picked a a better month in January in in, uh, in Australia. I know. Hats off to you. And just for the audience, yeah, it's peak summer here, right? This is when everyone's drinking, everyone's going out, sunshine, and just Christmas. People are still off work and stuff, right? Oh. And it's like, but I was going to say with you and Katia, right? You have a few drinks together and stuff like that. Have you noticed any different in terms of the 
communication or anything else? Because you both just seem exactly the same as what you are when you have a few drinks to me. And I'm saying it doesn't seem to be any different. No, it, no different at all between us, I think. And it's funny, we spoke about it, me and Katia have spoken about it a few times. We get along so much better. The only time, you know, we've been together nearly a year now. And the only times we've had any arguments or anything we were being really niggling is when we've been drunk. So there's been three or four occasions because, as you know, our patience is gone when you're drunk and you think differently and you can't control your emotions and things that wouldn't, you know, you look and everybody gets into loops in the head of, and you go, right, right, I'm in a loop, something's pissing me off, or, and it can be something stupid from the past or whatever. When you're sober and you're, you're controlled, you can kind of go, right, okay, either give me some space or I can say, hey, I'm feeling this way, and you can kind of talk it out. When you're pissed, that goes out the window. You just kind of, the, you know, the rage comes out or the jealousy or whatever it may be. So there's been four occasions probably over the year where, where that's happened. And, that, you know, that, that, over, over a year, that's pretty good, I think, if you're only having really, you know, heated emotional discussions like that that many times. But when we're sober, we'd never, ever have a problem. So we've got actually after coming away off holiday, we were saying it yesterday when we walking, went for a walk. And um, we said we just feel much more connected. So we felt much more connected. I'm not worried about us falling out about anything stupid when we go out on a drink. Um, so anything, I think it strengthens it. The, the key thing is obviously at the weekend, especially Katia who's in this, you know, most most people are in, you know, five days minimum, you know, breakneck speed, corporate business, you know, corporate roles. They want that kind of release at the weekend. They want, you know, it's almost like they want to have fun and it's been programmed, that equals drink. So it's kind of trying to flip that and say, what else can we do, which is going to take place of that, you know, just going, on, going out in the afternoon for six hours and, you know, getting on the piss. So it's just it's trying to understand 100%. that at the moment. Yeah, because it's a feeling you're chasing, right? It's always a feeling. And even if it's a mild escapism, it still is with like a lot of things. It's still a bit of escapism. Even with alcohol, I'm aware I have a few drinks, but a lot of the times I want to escape. And that's a great power, right? For someone like me and you who are entrepreneurs, staying switched on all the time gets you to where you are. But then that can also become your worst enemy and it stops you from being present and your brain's constantly, constantly going. So for me, if I have a few beers every now and then, I'm like, I just like it. Like you say, it's social, out in the sun, you know, a few cold beers here in the, in the hot weather. But I'm still aware that, yes, okay, I'm probably escaping just thinking about work like or just having my brain spinning. You know what I mean? But the anxiety monster, mate, I'd like to touch on that, right? What would you say about that? Because you mentioned earlier about back in the day, we both used to be a nightmare, right? Let's be honest. When we used to go out partying and everything else, coming from the UK, the anxiety monster would be making an appearance on a regular occasion, right? You might wake up on a Monday, be at 10, 20% after going on a bender for the weekend, and then you're feeling more anxious, and then you've got loads of stuff to do, then you get overwhelmed. So how's the anxiety monster been for you, mate, lately? <laughs> Oh, mate, yeah. mate, the anxiety monster, as I say, yeah, we're talking about this because we were joking about it at the weekend. You know, what, what I see is the anxiety monster is it never, you've got this kind of almost big fucking monster in our, in our world that never goes away. He's on the horizon or he's hiding from you, but he's always there. It's, it, it's an ever present. I, what I find in business, obviously, when we talk about partying days, that is obviously we, we're depleted of all of our happiness, whatever, you know, with dopamine and everything, endorphins drop and we're completely depleted as human beings. So naturally, the anxiety kind of creeps up. You know, we start to question ourselves, you know, is, is this right? You know, am I doing the right things? Am I in the right job? Am I in the right career? And everything comes on you and you start panicking and then all these things build up. And you might not have the bandwidth because you're depleted to even do work. So these things pile up day by day. And then this anxiety monster that used to be on the horizon, next minute you think, oh, he's over there. You turn around, he's fucking all over you. And you know, <laughs> you're like, like behind you, yeah, lurking, breathing down your neck, just ready it, to pounce. 
he's always there. Now, you bring it back into business or, or life or anything and, and take away partying and all that type of stuff. It's the same thing. I put it down to a simple equation. It's basically lack of action brings the, you know, the monster towards you. As soon as you take action, you see, you see him on the horizon now with that air conditioning. He's over there. If I can see him, he's, he's always there. He's looking at me. That man, if that was a face, it'd be the anxiety monster, right? <laughs> looking at me. I'd rather him be over there than fucking on my neck. You know what I mean? And how you do that is just by doing stuff. So the act, just taking actions and you keep him away. The minute you stop taking action, he'll just creep up over you and say, I can, you know, where are you, where are you with those things? You know, what are you doing about that? And he just kind of engulfs you. And I just say, keep it on the horizon. And it's just simply by taking action. Now, people every day, you know, coaching somebody last week who, you know, admitted that they just get trapped in the, the standard social media cycle. You know, they're picking up the phone too much when they're meant to be working. And I was just saying, well, effectively, you pick this up and bring it towards your face, your anxiety increases, your productivity reduces, you push it down, the monster starts going further back because it allows you to do action and your productivity increases. Things like that. But that's just a one simple example of doing the work keeps the anxiety away. It's an equation. Take action, the anxiety reduces. Lack of action, it's going to increase. The reason for that is because in your day, in work life or everyday life, shit doesn't stop getting thrown at you. Every day, things build up. And even if you're an action taker and you keep them on day, the next day, it's like reset. What have I got to deal with today? What shit's coming at me? I'm assuming if people have kids and stuff, you've got problems in the kids, like you've got problems with families, pets, work. You've got your own to-do list of admin stuff. Nothing changed every day. It's click, let's go again, click, let's go again. So unless you take that action... It's just going to build. And the more it builds, the anxiety monster grows. And he loves it. The anxiety monster loves it. He thrives on it. I was thinking of it yesterday. I love it. It's a great visual, though, and it's a great, simple way to think of it. Because yesterday, Janini and I were just put the finishing touches on this live training with them this morning, and it was lurking over my head. And I wanted to get it done early, but she had things to do, so I had to wait. So he was just there in the background, just lurking all day. You know what it's like when you've got stuff to do. You want to just get that weight off your shoulders, get him off your shoulders. But he was just there lurking, and you can use it as fuel as well, right? The anxiety monster. You can look at him behind. You know he's there. Be aware of him, and know that is simply a signal. And that's what emotions are, right? It's simply a signal for you to take action, especially anxiety. People can identify this with health and fitness as well. You try and take too many steps all at once and you overwhelm yourself. You put yourself into that state. So then that little level of anxiety, which is a signal for you to take action on something, your body's trying to tell you something is a good thing, then becomes overwhelmed because you might try and change too much at once. And people do that in all areas of their life. They overwhelm themselves. I was aware of that because I'm guilty of doing this. And I'm like, hang on a minute. This overwhelmed state that you're in right now is a state you put yourself in. And you were talking about to-do lists then as well. We all know this, right? We sometimes make it a to-do list. We get carried away before you know it. You've got like a list as long as your arm. You know deep down I'm not going to get them done. Then it's like, right, what are the priorities for me to take action on? And we can only focus on one thing at a time, literally, physically. We can only actually properly focus. I mean, proper focus, not half-hearted on one thing at a time. And when it comes to behavior change, literally two things at a time is all we're capable. The research shows that now. Two behavior changes max at a time. Simplifying things, and I think he, this is an important talking point, is it's more about the case, uh, a case of the things that you choose to do. And that comes down to your values as well. I've got my values now, mate, written on my whiteboard there, my top five values. And it's not just about having your values there. It's like, what does this look like for me? For example, you know, compassion. Compassion to me is listening to understand rather than just listening so I can respond. 
Obviously, we're all going to be guilty of doing that at times. But those values are what keep you online to make the right decisions. But because we make these to-do lists, and a lot of the times that can just be procrastination in disguise because we're making a list of things that are not that important. So it comes back to what's important to you, what are your values as well, right? Yeah, and I think you made a good point there. It's it's not about doing stuff, it's about prioritizing what's important because what you might do is you might you say you have a list of 10 things and you find it easy to go to number 10. But actually, it's in prioritization order. You should be doing one, two, three, because they're the return on investment because number 10 isn't due yet. You have to do all of these to get the value out of number 10, if that makes sense. And what a lot of people will do, they'll go to what feels easy to them, which means they're procrastinating against the stuff they know they need to do. And by just doing this stuff, it reduces their time. The things that are hot on the topic now they don't do because they're going to easy not to the stuff the stuff that's difficult that they should be doing and actually is counterproductive because it eats more time it's the wrong time to do the stuff they're doing and then the anxiety monster builds up even more because you're thinking hang on a minute i'm doing something but it's the wrong stuff you've got to do stuff that is aligned with your values but you know if you have the whiteboard of things you need to achieve in a year things have got to be in a line things have got to be lined up based on your return on investment return on time what is it that I should do step by step to achieve the goals? And some people don't even think like that. They, you know, you know, I operate and from an executive coaching point of view and some of my programs, I talk about facts and data over emotions or facts and data of your English. You know, so I always say, take the emotion away, take all this stuff away, go to facts and data. You know, what is it that we should be doing? What, what What's the problem? And then work through it and, and kind of align to, to achieve the success, you know? So uh, 100%, mate, that's a, a, a really good call out. I'm going to go back to values again, right? And go back to, you said about doing them, which is important. We want to achieve something, whether that be in business, with our body. All it is is a series of behaviors and habits and essentially acts of discipline, which are going to take you there. So I think rather than focusing on what do I need to do this year? What goal? What person do I need to become? I think that's more of a powerful question to ask yourself, right? Because I've been guilty of this. We've all done it. We write down your your goals at the start of the year or whatever, and you don't achieve more. Let's be honest, right? Some of them might have been unrealistic. But for me, it's like, right, if I align with these values every single day, and what does that look like? How do I put that into practice, right? So how do I put courage into practice? You know, saying what needs to be said, even when you don't want to say it, not avoiding difficult conversations. And this is only something over the last two years I've really been paying attention to. Most people don't know what their values are. They're, they're living their life based on other people's expectations of them and everything else. I'm sure that's something you can relate to yourself, right, mate, with um, with values and what drives you forward to achieve what you've achieved. And I think it's really important to get this kind of advice from someone like Ian as well, because, mate, I even look at you, I'm like, how the hell is he spinning so many plates? You know, how fast you've grown your business, Kiss My Axe and everything else, and that's been extremely successful. And then on top of that, you know, you find time for fun, which I'm going to step up this week as well, right? Volleyball three times last week. Now you're starting this new venture. You get up at like 3.45 a.m. I know your sleep is terrible, which we're going to work on. Right? I'm going to call you out on that now, right? Alcohol first, then sleep. I don't know what you, be. I don't want you to get more sleep you're already hard to keep up with i don't want you to get more sleep right even even five or six hours you're like on the new level leave the sleep out actually <laughs> thanks for that mate i appreciate the uh the, you know the kind words and like everything from the outside things might look like that but i i, I guarantee i'm we're all we're all the same i have days where i'm knackered and I'm, I'm really tired and i feel a bit deflated and stuff like that and i kind of then beat myself up because i haven't achieved something similar to yourself i spend three or four hours and i go i haven't done anything today and I've gone in that procrastination or I'm looking at a list and I'm not prioritized, even though I can kind of preach it. Sometimes I get tangled up in that web and then I come out and, and stuff like that. So I'm 
far from perfect and uh, but I do appreciate those kind words there I think your values I think we spoke about it previously when me, me you and Sean were talking about you know in relationships but the same in your business life and everything I think you just need to as you said understand what your values are what are you most passionate about take money out the way take what you're trying to achieve what am I as a human being what do I believe is the right path and I, you know, you know, I'm really passionate about stuff, and we we probably be working on a on a side project at some point in the next year or so around helping men. And what are we passionate about? What is being a true human? I have I've kind of buckets in my life around, you know, social uh, friendship and you know tribe. How many times I should interact with people? My relationship, business how I carry myself in business and how my business is perceived. And all these things kind of equate to, you know, Ian Williams. I want to hold myself accountable to that and anything that I do. And then financials and everything else will be a byproduct of my values and how I behave and how I turn up every day. Um, And to your point, not a lot of people understand the values. People, a lot in corporate world, for example, if I go back to that, they're operating as they're told to operate. Sometimes they're operating and they get so pissed off with themselves because they have to tie into this way of working, which it goes against their values and moral compass. What does that do? It eats them up inside. The body holds the score and they come out sick because <laughs> it affects them. And I was one of them. I was getting burnt out on that. I had to break out of that. I battled with people because I eventually uh, I went back to my core beliefs and I tackled that. And I said, no, I can't operate like this. I can't operate in this fake bullshit, you know, tick box, you know, say I'm going to operate as good leaders, but you're not doing all these things behind closed doors, which is really shit. I couldn't operate in that world, but unfortunately, a lot of people do. So I think once you understand your values and you're going to turn up like that every day, it kind of puts you on a, on a, on a journey. And on that journey, you change, you grow, you'll lose people, you'll gain people. Usually your circle reduces because you're increasing. And I don't think, you know, there's a lot of people on this kind of growth journey. But as you and I know, it can be a little bit more lonely at times because as you're growing, not everybody is kind of growing in the same way as you or on the same path as you. I think and I think that's who you surround yourself with is massive. I know it's old. Uh, you know, it's a really old kind of quote around don't surround yourself with, is it don't surround yourself with pigeons? You know what I mean? If you want to, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Want to soar like an eagle. I've been saying it to me, Mrs. recently, you know, she might say a name to me or something and I go, yeah, a pigeon. No, there's another pigeon. Because you just don't want to be around them as you do evolve. Once you understand your values, things become non-negotiables. And if I'm interacting with somebody who is a, totally opposite to my values and just talking shit, you know what I mean? I'm just, it, it kind of repulses me. I don't know about you, yeah, hundred percent. And I, I, I have to, I have to, I just have to, I have zero tolerance for it. I just have to be away from it. And even guy friends within over the last, you know, few years, and I've just watched how they operate, and it's just like it's just I'm totally against it. It's bullshit, you know. It's so, um, it's so shallow, and there's mm-hmm. no depth. There's no depth, and it's fluff sometimes just to kind of keep a relationship going and ticking over with somebody who doesn't understand their values or values don't align you'd almost have to play dumb you go oh yeah yeah yeah, and you play dumb as if you know you know as if you're not picking up what this person's throwing and you play dumb to stay in this relationship but basically what you're doing you keep yourself quiet you keep yourself mm-hmm. down you kind of go in because your values don't align to that so you exist in this kind of relationship you have to swallow your value and then enter into a bullshit discussion. And not everybody needs to be, you know, running in the same direction as you. And you can have lighthearted, you know, sh- stupid lad humor conversations and, and interactive, which I think are great also. And I think are so valuable and good for the soul. When you see someone's inherent values don't align with yours and they're really opposite. And I think some people are taking, you know, a more darker path, should I say, in life. I think it's really important to keep yourself away from that. By understanding your values and align yourself with similar, I think that's one of the key 
kind of ways you can achieve success quicker. It's interesting though, how we all know that. We all know that cliche saying, don't we? You become an average of the five people you spend the most time. We all know that. Everyone says it, you hear it every day, but a lot of people surround themselves with dickheads. It's crazy. Think about it. I know listening back to this, you, this probably resonates with a lot of people. And it's tough though, right? Because sometimes it's tough when they have an environment, a work environment. So most of their day, they might be surrounded. It might even just be one dickhead that they're with all day. And then outside of there in their social life, they might be surrounded by one or two more dickheads. And then speaking of the anxiety monster as well, right? I was going to just touch on that in terms of just anxiety in general and mental health, right? Because obviously we mentioned it before, you, you're spending time with those kind of people. That's obviously, you don't need us to tell you, that's going to have a negative impact on anxiety and mental health and everything else. In fact, I mentioned this before, but it's like the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. If you've got bad relationships in your life, it takes years off your life. It's like literally one of the worst things for you. Obviously, that gives you gives you context on that. Having fun, we mentioned that before, right? But again, the fundamental habits that you're going to implement each day are the key things, right? With anxiety, we mentioned training and everything else. But again, it always comes back to what do you want? What type of person do you want to become? An example of this is uh, Wujanini. We went to Brazil and long story short, she was with her goddaughter and it was her birthday. And Janini was hungry. She's like, oh, I'm hungry. And her goddaughter was like, oh, we got some birthday cake on my, my house. So they went back there and her cousin was like, oh yeah, no, 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 Janini, Janini doesn't eat cake. She's not, so Janini was going to have some just because she was hungry and she's with her goddaughter. But she was like, oh no, Janini doesn't eat those kind of food. You know, she just, she doesn't, she doesn't eat cake. And then she realized she had a moment. She's like, actually I don't. Every now and then she might do, but that's her identity now. So it becomes part of who you are. And that goes back to my point of being consistent with things which align with your values you know, when it comes to getting in shape, obviously doing the usual stuff of, you know, structuring your week so you're not missing your workouts, preparing your food, those kind of things. Because it's like, right, I want to become a person who's fit. I want to become a person who naturally wants to eat whole foods, who eats quote unquote healthy. You want to become that person, you know? Yeah, 100%. And obviously, if you if you are in the, in the health space or you are being healthy, what you've just described it, I think there's still this kind of people who maybe don't do it will project about what you've just said. You know, they'll go, oh, well, eat decay. Because they're projecting because they're not on that path, you know, that's okay. But um, I'm equally as you were. For example, at the weekend, you know, I kind of went out for a meal on on Saturday night. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, I've been so good. We're not drinking, all this type of stuff. And um, the meal, you know, they, they always throw the token breads, the token, uh, these beautiful sourdough uh, Barm cakes or, you know, baps or cobs or whatever you call them over here. But then I'm thinking, oh, I've been good. Go on, I'll have, a little bit. I'll have one of them. So I'm there within this beautiful, like, olive oily dip, best ever. Later on, they say, oh, do you want a, do you want a kind of uh, a dessert? I'm like, oh, go on then, yeah, I'll have a dessert. And I'm thinking a sorbet. Anyway, upsold us on this dessert. Anyway, this dessert was, like, outstanding. Me and Kat had it between us, but it was not good for you. It was just this sticky messy thing now it was beautiful at the time but my good suffered the next day and even today my good suffered it's all well and good saying what you just described about yourself about Janini it's for your health it's all well and good saying oh we'll eat the cake you know look at you eat the, it'll do the thing now I, I did that at the weekend and we both do it now and again we have a beer and all that but my guts for the last two days has suffered because of that because I've, you know, it's not used to having these things. It's clearly not good for me. You know, my, my gut wasn't as healthy as it's been, and I've had that. So if I continue down that path and I allow myself to loosen up on that, my health's going to get affected. My long-term, you know, life expectancy would reduce if I do those things as well. That value you just discussed happened to me this morning with Katya. We went to the coffee shop. She was. It's her daughter's birthday today. And she was buying a couple of coffees and she, and she was going to get some of these nice croissants that she likes for her daughter for her birthday. And she goes to the, to the lady, um, oh, can I get these two croissants? And the lady's like looking at her because used to her just buying a coffee. And she's there and she goes, they're not for me. 
They're not for me, they're for my daughter. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> she had to make that clear. She had to make it clear. She was almost 100%. That she was buying them. And I was like, yeah, I like that because she, that, that's what she is. She doesn't want anybody to think that. And I think when you are that, basically what happened is others have the perception of Janini has held Janini accountable. It's like mm -hmm. if. I would do it to you. Me and you would look at each other. If we were going to eat something, if you were doing it, I might let myself go if I was doing it. But if, 100%. You, but if you said no, I'd go, oh, no, no. A hundred percent. That's it. And that's exactly, that's environment, right? Same as me. I'm like, I'm bringing him down with me. If I'm going down, I'm dragging <laughs> this big man down with me, right? I'm not taking the hit alone. So if he's like, oh, ask the question, oh, do you having a beer? No, I'm good. Okay, me too. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just check it. That's all. I'm good. I'm not, yeah. But that's, that's a good thing. And that comes back down to environment. And when Janini went back home, the time before in 2022, just before I met her, she mentioned this earlier on the client talk on self-sabotage, but she actually had a mental breakdown. And that's that's another conversation. But long story short, her relationship with food was very extreme, all or nothing, self-sabotage behaviors. And I used to be there as well. I've talked about this before. They were used to her being that version. Okay, the extreme Janini last time she went back. But it goes to show environment, not to say I'm perfect, but she spends a year with me who's eating the way I'm eating and everything else. And naturally that's just rubbed off on her. So she, instead of her going, okay, I need to be really restrictive now because he's in really good shape. She had a different mindset. My mindset rubbed off on her like, okay, eat more of these foods. How about we eat more red meat, right? Because you've got this thing in your head where you're, you got to eat lean chicken. Why is that? And she's like, I don't really know. I actually was just doing it because I thought it was less calories. I'm like, well, how about, you know, you eat some more of these foods, try some of these fruits or whatever. And then naturally over time, she was already at a really good level at this point, to be fair, and in great shape. But then she just started leveling up and just wanting to eat more of those foods. And at times she still enjoys, you know, stuff which is quote unquote, like processed foods or whatever, but it's very, very, very rare. And yeah, it's just interesting to see the change in her, right? And that comes down to, again, upgrading your identity and environment. You literally become that person, especially if you're spending most, most time with them. And I'm glad you mentioned that. A lot of people listening back might say, okay, I don't want that. I don't want to not eat cake. I want to enjoy myself. People say that. And it's like, that's totally fine, right? Whatever works for you. If you're thriving, you're in great shape, your life's you know going really, really well. And you want to have a bit of flexibility. You want to eat some cake with your daughter on her birthday, for example. Not in Katia's case. She didn't want to, right? But the daughter's still later. Did she, just to clarify, did she eat a croissant? No. No. Because you said she bought two croissants. Well, one, both, for, one for the daughter and her friend. Oh, okay, that's right. I just want to clarify. I just want to catch her off guard. But, but yeah, just for everyone else, you know, it's okay having that flexibility and everything else. But I want to transition into this. I think the mindset around food, the mindset about the decisions you make, right? I think it's important to have an abundance mindset. We've got more food available to us, right, than any other time in human history. So it's not a case of scarcity for most of us, right, um, when it comes to food. But I think making good decisions for the most part is all it comes down to, really, right? If you're eating like yourself, right, like both of us, at least 90% whole foods, I mean, we eat dark chocolate, right? That's our thing. 90% dark chocolate or 85%. That's our thing. That's like our little treat, right? When you get to that point, it's like, okay, you could say it's processed. You're not going to overeat like something that's 90% dark chocolate. It's a lot harder to do then if it's like 70% or lower where it's, again, more sugar, which is going to make you make you overeat. So it goes back to what you were saying with business. It's the same with the body, right? It's a byproduct. How we look now, and don't get me wrong, it wasn't always like this for us. We were really driven by aesthetics and we used to have kind of more extreme behaviors. But now we're like, okay, like you said, with your gut health, then you notice when you have a bit of cake because you eat so good most of the time, then you get a bit of information and you get the signal. So it comes down to being consistent with eating those whole foods. And actually you need to enjoy what you're eating as well. Because I think a lot of people listen to this and they're like, I couldn't do that. And that's great. That's fine because it's probably too far ahead for you. 
you're probably not going to be able to do that and sustain it. But if you start eating more for whole foods or adding in one or two different foods to your diet, again, I'm going to go back to like grass-fed beef, right? Because it's a simple one. And most people like a steak. If you're in a position where you can, you know, afford that regular, then fantastic. Just simple stuff. Or a bit more fiber from fruit, maybe berries or avocado. Add those in. How do you feel? It takes time as a compound effect, right? Yeah, 100%. And my, the food I had on Saturday night when we went for the meal was, apart from that um, the sweet we had at the end, the, the dessert, it was great. It was all meats. Beautiful place. Went to Noah restaurant in Surrey Hills. Like these these ribs, fantastic, just meat. Um, some some lamb, just the meat, and some steak with just beautiful flavours. Now I'm sure there would have been you know some kind of you know additives and shit in there, but overall it was just meat. And I had some kind of beetroot with cheesy stuff in it. Fantastic. But I'm still doing things I wouldn't normally do in my day-to-day because I'm still going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy the flavors. I've gone for a meal. And I'm not 100% restrictive. You know what I mean? I'm going to enjoy those tastes and flavors and not worry about too much what's in them because I know my body and I know, okay, how did I feel the next day? Oh, I'd have to ease up a little bit there. Now, I know having those that dessert and stuff was a bit too far. But on the whole, I'm not as, I'm not as restrictive as you, for example. You know what I mean? But I know what works for my body and I know what I can and can't take. And I think it's a process of elimination. The more you get to know about your body, the more you kind of say, well, that's too far and that isn't, right? Mm, That's a really good point you said about restriction, right? Because I, and like yourself, we don't think like that though, do we, right? We obviously have to say no to certain things, right? And we actually want to say no in a way. And that's a really powerful thing, right? I don't think you ever look at food, right? Let's just say you look at that dessert and say, oh, I can't have that. I can't have that. You're probably going to have that conversation of, nah, nah, I choose not to have that, right? I don't want to, I don't want to have the issue with my gut the next day. So I'll, I'll leave that for now. But other times, self care is also saying yes to those things, right? But I think the restriction is where most people go wrong. So for me, again, because it's the abundance mindset, I think people need to take this into what they're doing with food, right? It's if you're seeking out good quality foods, if you like, you're going to have to restrict, you're going to have to change your environment if you really want to level up, of course, because if you're constantly surrounded by those foods and willpower doesn't last, you can't rely on it. But having that mindset of, I'm going to add more of these foods in, I'm going to, I'm going to actively seek out more meat, you know, fruit, vegetables, real foods. Maybe I'll replace the chocolate or the cake I'm having. I'll try some of the dark chocolate, 85%. See how I go with that. Experiment in a little bit. And that keeps you going because You've, you've lost. When you're in that mindset, that diet mindset of, I can't have this, I can't have that, constantly thinking about oh, calories, I've got to cut back on these calories, I can't. Now, don't get me wrong, some people can sustain. I have one client, she's at a high level, she's really in tune with calories and she plans ahead for the weekend and it works for her. You don't want to be living like that forever. We're trying to get her to, to get to the next level now where she can do things more intuitively, intuitively, right? Because no one really wants to be kind of relying on an app to track forever, right? But I think that was a really good point, what you said down restriction, right? Because you don't have that mindset anymore you don't feel restrictive i think that's important for people to understand the way we live we never feel restricted we're all satisfied with our meals right always my, my, my everyday life uh, not at all I, I eat twice a day i'm hung i'm still full now i ate you know i probably had what three four three hours ago or more i thought half 10 11 o'clock it was my first meal i'm still full as now because i just smashed a shed load of uh, of burgers you know with, with cheese absolutely smashed about Beef patties right just to clarify oh, no I, bread right yeah, just to clarify yeah, that exactly they hear burgers about like, 800 grams of just just ground beef you know and I, i'll be full until i eat tonight i feel great i really enjoyed it i have no cravings for food right now at all if anything i'm really full still it's strange right but in the past of all the vets i used to eat every i think we described before every one and a half hours two hours in the past and it was a pain in the ass whereas now i can do this 
after we finish this, I'm going to go and play volleyball for a couple of hours, and then I'll come home later on and I'll do a, a similar meal tonight. I enjoy it. I look forward to it. And also, I'm not that restricted with the weekend because I know what I'm eating. So I'm a very low carb diet, and when I eat on the weekend, I'll eat less carbs. I do eat carbs, I eat, you know, sweet potatoes and whatever. But on the weekend, if I have a few drinks, I kind of balance that out. So I'm not restrictive. I still enjoy my food. I still have a drink here or there, and I maintain, you know, what I want to maintain. But I think it's all down to, as I said, it's it's taking action of your what you want to do. All of it's the same. It's it's the keeping the anxiety onto the bed. You know what you should do. Just walk the path. And I was saying to you the other day, what amazes me, and if I talk about, you know, I mentioned my me, me brother, my younger brother in the UK, for example, you know, he's got a few issues. You know, I've given him lots of advice over the last few years. He's had advice from a plethora of people, but doesn't walk that path. And, and all these people can show you go from there to there, you're going to be better. You're going to feel better. You're going to improve. And no, each one of those apparently is not the way for him. So all of these eight, nine different directions and different feedbacks to which each one of them, all you need to do is walk through those steps. That's all you need to do. And you will be successful at improving the position you are in. But no, it's not that. Success leaves clues. Whatever you want to do in life, health and fitness, business, improving your mindset, whatever, there's a clear path to success. All you've got to do is, whether like to yourself, you'll meet that client where they're at and say, let's walk this way. All that person needs to do is take action every day, keep that anxiety monster over there and just keep walking. The minute you see that anxiety monster come close to you, that's your sign, oh, I haven't took the action. Keep moving, keep moving. And that's what people don't understand. They, you said it before, if you use that anxiety monster to your advantage, it will ensure you're always one step ahead. Most people let it engulf them and then everything can cave in. You can, the depression can kick in. Everything else can kick in. Use it as a trigger for success in business and life and you'll keep moving forward. And I think ultimately there's so much information out there. There's great people like yourself who can tell people to funnel it and in other areas. You know, I do it in my space and I just say, walk this path. Now, my path in saying, you know, if I'm doing business coaching or business advisory or, or, or executive coaching, whatever I'm doing, my path works Somebody else next to me in the, in the semi field, their path works. It might be different. All somebody has to do sometimes is latch onto a methodology and walk through it and take those steps. And they're going to be better off than they were. Might not be perfect, but they'll be better off because success leaves clues. For me, that's a, the biggest thing is we can give all of this knowledge and wisdom and experiences. And we've learned from all our failures. We keep falling down and pick up over the years and so on and so on. We can tell people, but unless they take action, keep that anxiety monster away from them, you know, they're not going to achieve the results they want to achieve in any area of their life, you know? Mm, 100%. And self-sabotage, right, is very common and it comes in so many different forms. A lot of people, they'll try to walk the path. <clears throat> Again, we can talk about environment, all that kind of stuff, but it's quite simple because they haven't got the awareness of why do I keep falling down? Analyzing the facts, taking a step back, takes a lot of self-awareness, right? But when you do this and you go, okay, why am I falling down? What is it? We can use eating as an example. Emotional eating is a very common self-sabotage superpower is what I call it. And a lot of people, they don't understand it's the discomfort. So they might get this some discomfort. And by the way, we all emotionally eat. I think it's binge eating is very different. And all of these things we talked about with procrastination, perfectionism, emotional eating, everyone, even the highest performance people you look up to, Ian and I look up to, both of us, we all get them. I think it's, we just got to be honest here. Procrastination, we both do it at times, right? Emotionally, then acai bowl is my thing, right? That I brought you onto. Acai bowl, yesterday I was going to have one and I, I was right next to the acai place and I had a battle in my head. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not hungry. You don't, but I was going to have it anyway, but I didn't. So I fought it off. But again, I know that was emotional. And I had, I think I had an acai bowl in the week with peanut butter and stuff last week. I was like, I don't need this. Um, it's just purely emotional. And that's totally fine. We're going to do that at times. So normalizing these feelings 
Uh, and these behaviors which don't serve you, whether it be self-doubt, procrastination, perfectionism was a big one in the uh, OIB tribe in terms of when they weren't perfect with certain things, the old anxiety monster pops up and then the self-sabotage can really kick in. And ultimately, self-sabotage is not these behaviors we're talking about because, again, most people, even really successful people, have these behaviors, but they understand that it's normal. They normalize these things and they don't get into the, their own head and self-sabotage that path they might have been walking. But facts and data, right, mate, as well. Like just understanding like, okay, why am I doing this? Where am I falling down? I just want to just talk on one point here with emotional leading. For example, you might feel some discomfort, right? This is an example of emotional leading. It might be loneliness. It might be anxiety. It might be boredom doing a tedious task at work, for example. And then bang, you get that pop up then where you're like, okay, I want to, I want to escape this feeling, right? I'm going to eat some of these foods. I'm going to reach for some of these foods. Then it might be the next, the next part of the cycle is, okay, I've done this now. I've eaten this food. And then you might start getting the inner critic kick in, right? So you get the inner critic kick in. Oh, why did you do that? Start beating yourself up. And then that can just repeat into another cycle of self-sabotage then because you've done it. The inner critic has got a better of you. Okay. Then the anxiety wants to pop back up again, right? Cause you're feeling anxious because you made a decision. But that all comes down to your mindset and actually being aware of that first step, taking a step back. What am I feeling right now? Before you reach for that food and you just do it on impulse or Uber Eats or go to the fridge, stop and say, what am I feeling right now? Or better still, maybe even take five deep breaths. What emotion am I feeling right now? I'm anxious. Okay. And sometimes you're going to just go for the food and eat it anyway. But taking a step back and analyzing again the, the, the data and just taking your emotions out of it is the most important thing. You know, I think that's with any area of life really right yeah 100 and, and you know we, we've spoke about people in our lives whether it be ourselves or people or family and, and i've touched on you know a member of my family which i've briefly touched on before and i've spoke to you about it at length before what i've noticed is certain people sometimes it's almost like everything has to be perfect for them to kind of wait right well if on this day i wake up and feel like this and the world's looking after me like this and my partners treat me well like this and the job feels like this I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to eat like that. You know, it's like, well, hang on a minute. A any given day, world throws shit at you. <laughs> and if you're not looking after, you know, your two fundamentals, well, you know, discipline and consistency is the, is, is the framework that allows you to do, look after health and fitness. And um, your health has to be priority number one. The only way you can look after other people is if you're healthy and you look after yourself. So what you're saying is everybody else has to be perfect for me to look after myself, for me to look after them. It's this kind of backward cycle that doesn't compute. And I've, I've found that, you know, the person I'm talking about throws all these excuses out that everything has to be perfect for him to be able to do the things he knows he needs to do. Now and again, there'll be a week where everything must, you know, the stars must align. Next minute, he's messaging me all this stuff. I'm killing it. World's great. Feel great. I've done, I've done my ice bath. I've trained. I've slept well. I've been at gym. And I'm like, this is great. But I also know what's coming. And then what's coming is then the excuses fly through. Oh, I had a terrible sleep. Children did this, fight with the missus, this, la, 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 la. So there's this excuse now. What people don't realize, to your point, every single day, everything's going to change. You have to be the person accountable for yourself to take the action to move. And it has to be priority number one. You know, if I always go back to, you know, your time of health space. If I've got a shitload of things to do in work or anybody has, what I do is I get the blockers completely out of the way because I know if I'm going to get, you know, I, I'll get up early when I've got problems or I've got shit to do or I want to achieve something. Like last week, you know, the project I've been speaking to you about, I got up at 3 a.m. and I spent like four hours and that's my, you know, my zone. Nobody can get in my way. And I'm just going to motor and I'm going to, I'm going to create something. In, in work, if, if I had problems, I'd do the same. I'd get up at 3, 4 a.m. 
and I just get shit done. So therefore, I've kept the anxiety monster bay. I've done my stuff, but it's the same with health and fitness. You can get up, you can meditate, you can hit the gym, you can do it. Just get up and do it so you're up and at them. There's no blockers in the way. The minute you stop, you think, you procrastinate. You can think about the self-sabotage. Oh, it's the world, you know, you know, why am I doing this? How did it yesterday go? That's when it all caves in and goes backwards. So it's almost got to just be, you know, it's almost like I can see the picture of someone just coming in. You know, they've got the trainers on the floor. They get out of bed and they stick the trainers on, you know what I mean? It's that type of thing. Get out and run or get out. You know, I've got my laptop next to my bed. Sometimes I'm ready. I know I've, the night before I've said I'm going to work tomorrow because I know I need no blockers. I'm not going to meditate. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to get up, grab a coffee, sit down, work. And that's what I do. And people have got to realize that's on them to do that. You know what I mean? People sometimes are looking out for this magic wand for other people to give them this you know, resolution. I haven't quite found the right person to give me this. Well, actually, they're in front of you always, and it's you looking in the mirror. Just do the fucking moves. Mm, 100%. And perfectionism, I can't remember what the exact quote was I heard Chris Williams say, but long story short of it is perfectionism is essentially you can procrastinate, right? You use that as an excuse. I want everything to be perfect. And then you procrastinate on what you should be doing. And I'm glad you mentioned that point down. I think that's really important for people to understand because they look like people like me and you, and they might think, oh, he's got a one hour morning routine. He's got all these, everything's perfect. He's super disciplined with his routine. No, at times you've got to do that. That's exactly what I've done last week. Scrap everything. I'm lucky if I can get like every now and then I, I try and avoid this as much as possible. I had to just get out on a quick walk, 10, 15 minutes and knuckle down and get straight to work. Coffee, bang, my habits, taking a little bit of a hit in the morning, I'll make up for it. It's one day. And I always say to people like, you know, never miss twice, right? I might have a day where I've got to prioritize work and then maybe one or two habits are not as good as they could be, right? Okay, well, I won't miss that tomorrow. I'll get back on that tomorrow. My sleep might not be as good because I woke up a bit anxious because I got the anxiety monster pop up, give me a nudge, you know what I mean? Like an alarm clock, just give me a nudge and wake me up and just look it in my face. One eye closed, one eye open. <laughs> He's like, yeah, so I had to get up and do it so I didn't get as much sleep. So guess what? I'm going to dial that sleep in the next night. And another thing you touched on then was was almost relating to uh, a similar thing where people wait for motivation, right? They wait wait for a feeling. And I like to distinguish this for people because motivation is that. It's a feeling, right? You're leaving everything to chance. Waiting around for a feeling to happen before you take action makes no sense whatsoever. I go as far to say motivation is absolute garbage. It's great when you feel motivated. Enjoy it. You know what I mean? It's a great feeling. You might have a coffee, have a good sleep, feel fantastic. Enjoy that. Make the most of it. But don't rely on it because it's going to be gone most of the time. Let's be honest. Most of the time, it's not there. It's not there when you need it ever, for sure. Whereas the anxiety monster, he's always there. He always pops up when you don't need him. But the, the discipline is it's a thought process. It's different to a feeling. It's a thought process, right? It's, I don't want to do this. Like the ice bath thing, right? This is a good example. An ice bath might be, some people just need to train more often. They need to get out and walk. Simple as that. They might be doing 2,000 steps. For you, that uncomfortable thing you don't want to do is simply walking for 15 to 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be an ice bath. But for, for, that's a good example because it's like you never want to do it. I had one yesterday for the first time in a couple of months and I'm about to get in there and everything inside me is like fighting against it. So I got this guy and he was in the colder ice bath and he was like, this one's going to be finished soon. And competitive, obviously. Okay, I'll go for the colder one. I don't want the other ones. But I had to wait for him to finish then. So I had three minutes of standing there waiting for the pain to come. And I'm like, that is not motivation. That's a, that's a thought process. Like we can't be asked doing these things all of the times. So I think people need to understand that people who are disciplined and in great shape or whatever, they can't be asked a lot of the times, just like you. But they have that battle in their head and they go, I'm going to just do it anyway because discipline is doing the stuff regardless. Again, it's not being perfect and consistent and disciplined every single day, but for the most part, playing that discipline, forget about motivation. I would say that, you know? Yeah, well, if you think about everything that you do in your 
role as a transformational coach or anything that I've done in my career, there's a large portion of what we do that we don't like. So take away just the actual, I'm talking about the, the actual business side of stuff. There's a large oh, portion. People to, to do it, right? And then, yeah. and then you get something else you don't like. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a large portion of stuff that I, I do every day that I don't like. And there's no way in the world I'm going to get motivated for it. What I do is I create an environment that gives me the best feeling to do it. So for me, if I know I've got something that's going to cram a brain juice, I know my kind of um, high performance zone is early in the morning. That's why I get up early. Some people say late at night, great, that's your late Whatever works for you, right? But I know if I get up, you know, I have this, no, I said before, I get this sixth sense of feeling. I'm like, everybody has a sleep. I'm winning. I'm winning already. But I also remove the blockers. I'm not doing anything. I get me coffee. I sit down. I put UK radio on. I sit down and I'm off. And, and, I, and I just start motoring through. And it's just about removing those blockers. And is that something that you tell your clients to, to, to make it easy for yourself to remove the blockers? And that's why I find it so interesting yeah. how they're both the same. It's all the same stuff. Discipline. To be successful, remove the blockers. So I kind of, I create an environment which feels okay. It's not fucking perfect. I still hate doing the thing, but then I kind of zone in and I just, I'm, it's something that I'm going to do. I've, I've made the decision the night before. So I don't get up and there's a decision to be had. I've already made it in my brain. So that night it's going, I know I'm going to bed. I know I'm going to get up. And there's no decisions. There's no nothing. There's nothing else I have to do. Because the minute I bring in it something that could be a hurdle, it's like, oh, I've got a hurdle. Then there's this decision to be made. And you don't want to do the shit thing things. Mm, so, so make it easy for yourself is kind of what I do. Yeah, remove all the barriers, 100%. We just say re remove the barriers because you put the barriers up yourself, essentially. And when it comes to health and fitness, it's like, right, okay. So you mentioned this the other day, right, about a new client you've got, because I know you were coaching her through business, but you mentioned about, you know, the fitness element, right, which, again, is really important, right, for you to perform at your best and live longer and everything else. But <clears throat> you got to look at, right, how can we remove the barriers? So a lot of people, again, it comes down to the perfectionism thing. I think this is where most people struggle with consistency because they're either doing, you know, five or six workouts. I've got to train every day. I've got to go all out, all or nothing. Or I've got to be perfect and I've got to literally smash five sessions every single week. When you look look back at your track record, you look at the lifestyle that you have, perhaps that might not be the best option for you. Great on a good week. If you haven't got much on and you haven't, you're not traveling with work and everything's great, like you say, everything's perfect, which doesn't really happen, but everything's good. If you feel like on that week you can do five, fantastic. Where people go wrong is they're not okay with the consistency over perfection part. They're simply not. And they use that perfectionism thing. Oh, I get it, it's hard. But it's a mindset thing. So they, the inner critic then gets the better of them. So you might miss a week. They might be traveling, miss a week training. Okay. So you either bounce back or you don't, right? So if you lose the momentum, you know, for a month, it's a lot harder to gain back then. And that's what people do. They have a poor week and they'll go, it's pointless now. No, it's not pointless. And that actually, that decision you just made separates winners from people who don't achieve what they want to achieve. Totally agree. And the client I was mentioning last week is a, a life coaching client that I took on. And when it got into the nuts and bolts of where she was, and, and, and something I believe massively in is if you can see it, you can manage it. If you can see it, you can manage it. That's why I like a frame. I like to see a client's week. What does your week look like? What are you spending on your health? What are you spending on rest? What are you spending on socials? You know, as in, you know, friend interactions and stuff. So I understand the breakdown of those seven days. Then I say, okay, what's in your hands right now? How can you level up by yourself? And it was very, very evident quickly that there was no blockers. There, you know, there was no one physically stopping this individual from leveling up in the life of enjoyment. Because I looked at the week as it was, and then what's the week look like in your ideal week? And then we looked at it and said, okay, 
well, what's stopping you from doing that? And there was nothing. So then I said, okay, let's make it easy for yourself. And this 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 uh, kind of individual was, you know, one of the fundamental things was beating herself up because she wasn't getting into the gym and this, that, and the other. And I said, okay, she used to do it, children, you know, work, so on and so on, gets in the way. I said, okay, well, when did you drop the kids off? And she said, well, I dropped them off school at this time. So like, how far is that? Is it close to the gym? Much closer. Okay, could you just be in your gym clothes, <laughs> drop them off, and you're very close? Would that be Actually, that's a good idea. Just remove that barrier. Just remove that blocker for yourself. You're already halfway there. If you then come home to when we're going to do it and it's not mapped out and it's not planned because you haven't looked at it, then it's going to fall back. Also, to your point, if you're tracking your performance, someone who says, oh, I know I haven't done this one thing, one occasion, that's it, game over. No, 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 no. Let's have a look at what you've done over the last three or four weeks. Look how much you've improved. Look at all mm. of this stuff you've done. Look at the value that's added to your life, whether it be health, whether it be your business, whether it be you know personal development. Look at all of this stuff. Not just one blip. You've moved forward so much. Get up, go again. And, and, and that's why I think if you can see it, you can manage it, and tracking what you've achieved almost as you're creating, you know, give yourself that gratitude moment. Give yourself that, okay, look how far I've come. Don't look at the woe is me and the kind of, that mindset, which is negativity. Look at that abundance mindset. Look what I've done and where I can go to. If I continue this trajectory, bloody hell, where, where can I be in a year's time? Let's get away from the short term and look at the long term. I love, I'm glad you said that because I had a chat with a client recently. I won't mention her name just in case, but what, what you said then is bang on, by the way. We say, you know, what can get measured can get managed, right? Once you measure it and you know where you're at and you've got a little bit of data, as you say, tracking your process. And that's what, you know, we do with Optimize Your Body. We have all the data and stuff. We can see the progress, you know, and just simply seeing that they've been consistent. It's not necessarily always about, oh, look at the body transformation before and after. It's like, wow, I go on there, I look at their calendar. I'm like, I say to the clients, I'm like, look at all those tick boxes. I said, I love that. I love it as a coach. When I go on yeah, there, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's not perfect, but when I'm seeing tick boxes, right? So they might have maybe one habit or a workout. They got their calendar mapped out, and I go, oh, wow. Loved all those tick boxes today. You know what I mean? And that's what it's all about. It's just about ticking the boxes for the most part and not being perfect. But I have one client I want to give an example of, and she got six weeks into the initial 90 days, and we had a really difficult conversation. Like, I mean, it was challenging for both of us because I had to tell her exactly what she needed to hear. I'd have the courage to just be straight with her. And, I, and she said, you know, this is, what I, this is what I need. And I was like, if you know what you needed, then you would be there already. I had to, I had to say some of those things to just like hammer it home. Um, and she told me some stuff as well, which was some valuable feedback. So we had a good little kind of trade-off in the conversation. And long story short, it was, she was focusing too much on the physical appearance, right? So she was looking too much at, oh, you know, I'm, why have I not lo lost this amount of weight? You know, I want to be losing more. Six weeks in, I should be further ahead and everything else. When we had a chat then, again, we looked at, hang on, look at how far you've come over the last six weeks. She had this thing where every two or three weeks she would sabotage, right? Emotional eating, in, she would hit the off button. It's a long story, but she would sabotage every two or three weeks. I said, you six weeks in. I said, you've been on these calls every single week. You've been saying yourself how, how incredible you feel and how people are noticing the change in you and how you're not having the desire to eat any of those processed foods anymore. There's so many things. Sleep, I could keep going. It was insane how much she achieved. And then she just kept going. After that, we had a chat. We had a bit of a trade-off. Bang, I kept a close eye on her. And then 90 days later, she was on the call today and she was just saying, you know, it's been absolutely like life-changing. She said, and now going back to what we were saying, I'm noticing a difference in my body because she's not constantly fixated on it. She's sticking to the fundamental behaviors that, you know, and the habits, sticking to the basic stuff like we set one goal with nutrition, 
We set a certain amount of workouts to do each week, minimum and maximum kind of non-negotiable. So on a bad week, right, this is the minimum we expect. Very simple stuff. And then obviously a few other bits and bobs. She's kept it going now. She's literally, it's incredible to see the change in her because that's what I live for. And I've got like a little uh, thing on my whiteboard now as well. I'm actually writing down the transformations that I have. I've got a target I want to hit in terms of, and it's not all about the physical, right? Yeah, she looks better physically, but that's not all what a transformation is about. It's about Yes, you're going to look better as a byproduct. It's about how far have you come looking back as well. Like you say, you've got to look back. And, and that's why it's important to have that perspective and someone have you right on that. Like some, like you telling the woman, now I'm sure when she gets momentum, you'll go look back at how far you've come over the last few weeks. Because people don't do that. We just keep going forward and then we can set ourselves up for disappointment, you know? Well, I think you're spot on what you said. It's not about the physical. The physical is a byproduct. I think everybody mentally, you know, feels better once they start looking after themselves and they develop a, a, a discipline and they develop consistency. They're proud of themselves. It's such a, a, a feeling that maybe they haven't had a lot of. And they go, I feel fucking right. You know, I'm on the move. And it can take two years sometimes to get anywhere near the, the, the physical look that you may want. I've always had a, a, a slim body and I never never really trained my legs, right? So I always had skinny legs. I'm going through, I, I, I think I said to you about maybe two, two years ago or something, and I said, I'm just going to start training them and I'm not even going to look at them. And I'm going to see how they are in about three years. And obviously I started off, I was fanning around, I was just doing token things once a week and stuff like that. Over the last probably six, six to eight months, I've really started doing them twice a week, three times a week and stuff. And then, and I looked under there, I think, I think they've definitely improved, but I'm still not, I'm not tying into that. I'm not looking at it going, looking at the, I'm just saying, I'm just going to keep moving. I'm just going to stick to the process because I know this is so long term because you can't go from, you know, the, the, the skinny legs I had to get to anything that I was looking to without just following the process. And it's the same. It's such a long journey. But what people get out, even me now, I'm thinking, I've done okay there. And I get a real kind of sense of achievement out of it. It adds more to my discipline and consistency. I always have this big kind of, oh, I can't be asked doing them. It's too big a thing. I hate doing legs. You know, old school, pump up Fridays, do your chest and arms, go to the pub. You know what I mean? Feel great. And it's a different mentality. But I get a real sense of achievement out of just knowing I'm going through this process. So I think, and in this day and age where you've got suicides going through the roof, mental health is fucked. People pick these up too much. Um, as amongst of all of these plethora of problems that is flying at modern society, everyone's mental health is screwed. The more people are focused on this kind of health and fitness mindset, consistency, just doing the things they said they should do, it gives you such a good basis to protect your health from the kind of, you know, the anxiety monster is the same. It, it basically is the same as the, you know, the mental illness monster that they can come at you, you know, obviously, you know, if it's not something that's inherent in you, they're all kind of a similar type of thing. In, in my view, it's this yeah. lack of action, not liking yourself because you're not doing the things you should do. And it just builds up and it consumes people and it overwhelms them. And I think building this framework it, it, it just helps people lift their mindset. They feel so much fucking better. I know I do. You know what I mean? I, I know I felt shitty even, you know, I felt shitty yesterday after the weekend, you know, after I uh, did this, did that. I'm like, I'm going to knuckle down this week. I already feel better. Not because I've changed anything physically. I haven't changed from yesterday. My weight's the same. I'll look exactly the same. But in my head, I've done things. I've done about three or four things that I wanted to do that I committed to myself. And I've done them, so I feel good because I've achieved something. So, and that's in my own head. So that anxiety, right. mo that anxiety monster comes at me and sits there. I've created that, 
because I'm pissed off at myself because I've held, I'm holding myself accountable. And he's there, and I said, I know you're there, you know, piss off. I'm going to throw you back over there by tomorrow morning. And just by taking it, <laughs> he's sliding towards you before you know it. He's like a meter away from you, and he's just looking at you, you know, tap you on the shoulder, just behind, just so you know. I'm just here. I'm just waiting for you, and I'll take action. You've got one more opportunity, and then you're like, bang, get it done, and he just backs off again. Mate, I, mate, I opened the fucking covers yesterday. He's lying next to me. <laughs> <laughs> he was ready to go. No, but this is one thing I want to kind of finish this on as well. And again, People sometimes look at people like me and yourself um, as if we're different or cut, cut with a different cloth. We're not. The only thing is, again, we've seen, we, we've been, I guess, fortunate in a sense, but we've been consistent and disciplined for so long that we've been, uh, it is kind of luck as well, right, in terms of where we're at. We now see the value in it because of the compound effect of those things. And now we know, okay, look where we're at in our lives. Discipline equals freedom, essentially, right? Having that structure and that discipline is going to give you more freedom. We've now caught on to that. And something that actually, when we had that, that last podcast, me, you, and Sean in person, Sean said something about crossing off. That's really working for me, bro. Like what I do now, I've got my, uh, my book here, right? Where I, uh, I've got my usual kind of like diary and productivity planner. But I've got the whiteboard there now. And I know you mentioned this. You can do like long, long-term vision stuff on there. And you can also just do your day-to-day or whatever. Long story short, like last week, for example, hadn't done an ice bar for a couple of months. I think I told the audience about this, right? I um I had like a flu underlying and I put I did like a twelve minute ice bath and I was sick as a dog, right? So I didn't go back. I was scarred. I thought I gotta have a bit of time off, get back to it. So I put on my board, I put one ice bath minimum, right? That's that's your goal this week. One ice bath. So I'm no different to anyone else. I'm starting off at the bottom because I know that's realistic, right? One this week, two ice baths and volleyball. That's it for the stuff I'm challenging myself outside of work. Obviously, I got my work goals. I've called it out now as well, right? And I ticked them off and it feels so good. I cross it off the board. I did that earlier when I was wiping it. I crossed it off, rubbed it out. I felt great, mate. I felt amazing. Dopamine, whatever. It is dopamine, right? I think Huberman talks about it. you get a massive... Re- when you hit your targets, and that's why it's so important to set like realistic targets, right, bro? And it's just going back to what I said before. It sounds so simple because it's just doing something that crosses off that task that you've put there. And it obviously should be some kind of priority. If you give it to priority with health, same with me. And you feel good. If you can pick off two or three big tickets a day, the anxiety monster stays over there and you feel better. You feel good. You've achieved some things. And that's all. It's as simple as that. What should you do in order of priority? Break it up over a period of time, which is realistic for you and your lifestyle. And then each day, just wipe it off. Done. You'll feel fucking great. And you you kind of manage it. What too many people do is they, they look at the list. They don't spread it this way. They show it this day and they look at the same thing every day. And what I say is turn that list that way over time and just pick it off that way. And then it's so much easier to manage. You kind of go, oh, even just going like this, anxiety wants to fuck straight off over there. (laughs) It's like, it's like, it's it's like, it's like, you bastard, you're onto me. You know, it's simple just turning it and managing it through time. In which is the best way? It just it feels so much better, and I, I can't. I, I tell everybody just flip it, manage it daily, and hold yourself accountable. Do stuff, and if you don't do, if you do two instead of three, just do it the next day. But just keep moving, you know. Love it, mate. Take action and take control, mate. Tell the audience a bit more about your program. Yeah, you- it, it's it's called Take Control for a reason. It's everything that we've discussed today. It's about it's not about looking out for everybody else. You know, there's a pathway to success, but ultimately, it's you who has to take control for the success in your life. I'm talking about, for what I'm talking about, it's about um, 
in your career, anybody who's in a corporate job at whatever level, if you're wanting to progress in that career, there's some simple steps that you can take to make sure that you are doing the right thing at the right time to give yourself the best opportunity to climb that ladder and ultimately make the decisions and leave nothing on the, you know, leave nothing uh, on, the, on the field. So there's some people in, in, in life who kind of go, I need to move. Well, well, do you? Have you played this game strategically? Have you looked at facts and data? Have you managed up? Have you kind of collated everything and done the best you can to manage the situation as you are? Have you got yourself in the best shape? Have you got yourself in the rest mindset to do that? So within the program, it's just about assisting people to learn from my failings and my wins and, and everything else and experiences and just plot them through a path. Now, as I've said before, you walk the path, they'll be successful. You will get you will get value out of it, but people just have to walk the path. Hence, it's it, it's all about you know you taking control. And they need a mentor and a coach to come in sometimes, right? And just simplify things. I think that's the important thing. People get overwhelmed. They kind of know deep down what they should be doing, but they're not prioritizing it. It happens like that. It's very simple stuff a lot of the times, um, but it's actually getting them to apply the discipline in the right areas, right? Essentially, people get caught up with life. It's tough, man. You know, we're juggling a lot. We've got the phones, as you mentioned earlier, to distract us as well on top of that. So having that having that clarity and that guidance and, and someone who lives it as well, I think is, is the most important thing we always talk about, right? We, we, we live what we talk about. Right, which I think is, is really important. If, if anyone, if you're looking out, not necessarily me or Ian, if you're looking out for a mentor or a coach to hire someone, have a look at that. Obviously, have a look at their track record and their experience, but have a look at, is this person actually living what they say? I think that's kind of important, right? You know yeah, you're spot on. It's not about you, I, or anybody, because I think it's just about, you know, I'm so passionate, and I know we both are about um, mental health at the moment. I think there's a massive decline, and um, I think people just need to, you know, talk to people, and there's a lot of help out there. But ultimately, it comes down to the individual taking the path and walking it. Um, but look out for it. Speak to people, you know, speak to people, because you, you mentioned something about, um, I think, the reduction in, in, in life expectancy. Um, for I think it was was relationships and and, and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, that. that's right. Yeah. yeah, so the equivalent of yeah, smoking is fifteen yeah, cigarettes a day. I think, yeah. I think it's like nine or ten years well, on average or something. Like if you've got toxic relationships yeah. in your life, for example. Well, it's the same. It's the exact same kind of similar. I think it was between something like three to three to ten years off your life expectancy through work stresses. Obviously, that can lead to burnout and stuff like that. So if you look at it, you, exactly. So if you look at the as you say, body holds the score. So if if you're going, good, by the way, have you read that book yet? Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, great book. Fantastic. Awesome. So if if you're going through those experiences, just reach out to somebody. It doesn't matter who it is. Somebody who you who you believe in, who you trust, who's honest with you, and you have that you know that connection with. Or if, if it's you know it can either be one on one or can just be getting into a program, something like yourself, whatever. Just be somebody you believe. It doesn't have to be any of us, but just I, you know I really recommend people do that. And but ultimately look at themselves because they're the ones who's going to have to take the action day after day. Um, but there's a there's a massive kind of I think there's a massive problem in society today, uh, and ultimately so much of it is about you know people just need to take action, put these fucking things down, uh, and start start moving through the steps. You know, you don't want that anxiety monster lurking over you over you for too long, right? He's a bit of a vulture that that monster. Yeah, right? so and he, he never goes, mate. <laughs> Arm's length. If he's within arm's length, you're, you're in trouble. <laughs> um, ladies and gents, if you like this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you can just, whatever platform you're listening on, whether that's Spotify or iTunes, if you can give us a rating and a review, that would be huge. Number one, I love to see the feedback. So I want to make this podcast better and better and improve the guests. And number two, it would really help us obviously get this podcast out there and essentially impact more people. So thanks for listening. Cheers for jumping on, bro. Enjoy volleyball, man. Cheers, mate. Speak to you later.